It's time for another edition of Highway 89, Utah's most scenic musical byway, featuring live music performances on Classical 89 and Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and the Wasatch Trio of Salt Lake City joins me in the studio for this program. The ensemble was formed eight years ago as a means for three friends and fellow University of Utah faculty members to play more chamber music, and they've certainly succeeded in that. I'm glad to have today in studio flutist Susan Goodfellow, cellist Elliot Cheney, and pianist Larry G. The Wasatch Trio concertizes throughout the state, frequently performing at Libby Gardner Hall in Salt Lake City for the University of Utah's Sundays at 7 program, and sometimes at the Assembly Hall on Temple Square. They've been invited to give performances at Snow College and BYU, and have played for the Utah Flute Association and the German American Society. They've also had occasion to premiere new compositions, most recently a trio by the Utah composer Crawford Gates. The Wasatch Trio will begin this hour by playing La Milanga, an up-tempo piece by the living composer Christopher Caliendo from his Tango Americana series, The Wasatch Trio. Thank you. 
That's the Wasatch Trio of Salt Lake City. We just heard them perform La Milanga from Tango Americano. Christopher Caliendo is the composer. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and you're listening to a live performance of Highway 89. We're going to talk to each member of the trio and hear lots more music. First, we want to talk to Susan Goodfellow. She taught flute at BYU before taking the position of Director of Flute Studies at the University of Utah, a post she's held for nearly 20 years. And she holds degrees from the Juilliard School of Music and the University of Chicago and is soloed with the Carmel Bach Festival in California and the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Not bad work when you can get it. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Susan, thank you so much for coming today. First, I have to ask an almost unmusical question, which is it's really not fair that the other two members of your trio can breathe whenever they like. I should say it isn't fair. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> we went out to dinner before coming down here tonight, and I thought, I've got to be careful. They didn't need to be careful, but I did. And indeed, we have to, to be careful well, of that I, and do breathing exercises every single day, no I matter what. I was going to ask if Absolutely. after this many years you still Groveling do Groveling around on the floor if this were a television show, I'd show you how. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but we do we do do breathing exercises every single day as part of practicing, or else it really shows and we can feel it. Now, besides being a, a player, you've also been part of the Encyclopedia Britannica musical encyclopedia. And tell me how you got into this, of all things. Oh, I enjoyed that so much. I had finished my master's at the University of Chicago, and Britannica had its offices in Chicago, down on Michigan Avenue, and I wanted to work for them. I thought being a music editor would be wonderful. So I went up there, and I said, I'd like to be a music editor, please. And they said, we aren't hiring. And I said, I understand that, but could I talk to somebody for a few minutes? And they rolled their eyes and said, okay. And uh, <laughs> so I did. And when we were through, they said, well, we don't have a place as a music editor, but we could put you to work proofreading indexes. And I thought, that's not exactly what I had in mind, but I, I, it's a foot in the door. So I said, I would love to proofread indexes. Thank you very much. That sounds like and something you do in a dark, dank basement. Somewhere. It was. <laughs> it absolutely was. We were down in the basement of that building on Michigan Avenue. And for several months, I proofread indexes. And that was it. And then they were working on the 15th edition, and I got to start doing some uh, copy editing and some fact-checking for the 15th edition for the music articles. And that led to being able to work with the Britannica Book of Music, which I love doing. I have one signed article in it. Uh, I, actually, I was assistant editor, but, but I did get to do one article, and that was the article on chamber music. Well, I want to ask you one, one quick final question. Uh, Anyone who plays string instruments, woodwind instruments, brass, you all play in a variety of ensembles, from bands to, to orchestras. To What is it that you've, you sense from each other when you play in a trio like this for eight years now? Is there stuff you just don't have to rehearse anymore because you figured out how you do it as a group? Well, we, we do rehearse. We like to rehearse. We like to play together. We like, we like being together. We like each other's musicianship very, very much. And uh, I know that, that when we first started playing together because I was in a sightline where I could watch Elliot's bow, that helped a lot with the ensemble, and I still do that. Uh, even when we've rehearsed a lot and I know exactly what he's going to do, I still watch that bow because it, it gives me me a little bit of security. And uh, 
we but we listen to the to the timbre. We listen to the overtones. We listen to to that sort of thing that goes on with each other, and it's real rewarding to play with. It's so good to talk to you. I'll let you take your seat here while we get ready to hear the next piece. We're going to hear the Trio in G Major, Opus 119, from German-born Danish composer Friedrich Kulau, and we're actually lucky to have his music because later in his life his house burned down, and <laughs> all his unfinished manuscripts and so much other music was lost. We still have over 200 of his pieces, though. So now the Wasatch Trio with... Kulau's trio in G major. Thank you. 
We've just heard the Wasatch Trio with music of German-born Danish composer Friedrich Kulau, his trio in G major. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and you are listening to a live music performance by the Wasatch Trio on Classical 89 and Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. 
Larry G. You're the pianist of the trio. Larry holds a Master of Music in Piano Performance from Indiana University. He's been a keyboardist with the Utah Symphony, Ballet West, and Utah Opera, and teaches voice and piano. Just real quickly, I want to ask you, in, in the program of piano performance, like at IU, how do you deal with the pressure? Or is the music the escape? Is that what you escape into? Well, I was, uh, uh, when I went to IU, I was actually piano accompanying major. Hmm. So I majored in what I loved the most, which is ensemble and making music with others. And especially, uh, in addition to that, the art of teaching voice, because I uh, ran into an excellent, excellent voice teacher there, uh, Camilla Williams, who was one of the pioneers of opera, and she passed away just this past January at the ripe age of 92. So, <laughs> wonderful woman she was. And, and a lot of people may not know that in the world of opera, the accompanist can become sort of a confidant and a coach. Yes. What, what are, when you're working with an experienced singer who's, who's learning a new part and they're working with you, what are they looking for from you? Um, just, uh, just a lot of, uh, support, but they are looking for an honest pair of ears Mm -hmm. because unlike, uh, other, uh, other musicians, singers just can't hear what they're doing very much. Um, and so they need that external pair of ears to tell them really what's going on. Well, you got to work with one of the greats in Beverly Sills. I mean, I remember as a kid, I read her biography and I thought, how could you be such a good singer? And then everything she did with the opera as an administrator, what was it like to to work with her, someone who had been Actually, one of the greats? I didn't have too much to do with her, I, <laughs> I admit. She invited me into the company, and once in a while I'd see her in the hall, and she'd uh, smile at me. But uh, usually you didn't go to her office unless you were in trouble, and so I never you went to her summoned. office. <laughs> but she was a wonderful uh Wonderful powerhouse of a woman and um, and did so much for opera. Did you have a favorite production there in your time uh, with the New York City Opera? I think uh, the production of Boito's Mephistophele was just visually just incredible. So and when you're in the pit, do you really get a feel still for what's going on, or you just sort of trust the conductor and, and play away? It, it makes a difference when we're when we're in the pit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear when you hear beautiful singing. You know, the the orchestra just responds, mm. and it, it does make a difference. Sometimes the singers don't think so, but it really does. Well, here at Classical 89, we have sort of a mission. We're hoping to satisfy the people who are aficionados, but we also want to always be introducing the next generation. And so That's great. for folks who aren't great opera, opera buffs or don't know a lot yet, where would you start if you wanted to go see an opera and, and kind of get into it and, and see what you think about it? Basically starting with something light, maybe not a great tragedy, but um, Magic Flute would be a, a wonderful choice because it's light and there's a lot of fun, um, or even uh, just to get into the idea of uh, classical singing, operetta uh, would be like Gilbert and Sullivan, if uh, people haven't heard of that, would be wonderful. Don't go to something like Macbeth's, though. I, I took a date to Macbeth, <laughs> and and to, to go on a uh, an early date and for your date to see bloodshed all over the stage, it, it just doesn't work. <laughs> that you may have saved some relationships right there. Yes. Thank you very much. Larry G., the pianist of the Wasatch Trio. Our our next selection, we're going to hear actually in two parts. There are two different movements to this next trio from a French neoclassical composer. In fact, he lived until 1997. 
the music we were deciding before we played, if if it was published in 1998 or if that was the price. Of the, get your trios now, 1998. This is from French composer Jean Francais, and we'll hear the first two movements now and later in the program, the second two, the Wasatch Trio.
We've just heard the Wasatch Trio with the first two of the four movements to the trio by Jean Francais. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and we are live this hour here on Highway 89. And next, we have a chance to talk with cellist Elia Chini. He's been the principal cellist of the National Symphony of Costa Rica and the Savannah Symphony, and has taught on the faculties of the University of Costa Rica, Southwestern University, Armstrong College, and the University of Tennessee. Currently an associate professor of music at the University of Utah. Elliot, welcome. Thank you. And in fact, this is welcome back. Yes, welcome back. Uh, I'm told we <laughs> nice need to, to actually ask about a, a hobby project we were working on. Yes. <laughs> which was the Woody Wagon. Is Woody this Wagon. The, is this the, the wood the wood paneled car with the surfboards on top and all That's that? That's pretty much it. Yeah, it's a 47 Pontiac, and the, uh, the whole body's pretty much wood from the windshield back. And I had to replace about 90% of it. So it's been a seven-year project. But it's, it's drivable. It's drivable. We took it to Durango on, a, on our fall break vacation and had a great time. Passed <laughs> a lot of cars. Everybody was surprised when we went zipping past, I think. <laughs> well, I want to ask about, about your cello. Uh, when Susan goes somewhere, she can just about put her flute in her pocket. Larry has to depend on the piano <laughs> being where he goes. Right. But... Do you have to buy a plane ticket for a cello when uh, you travel? Yeah, sometimes. Um, my whole family, we're all cellists, three of us in the family, and we all went to Mexico, this Mexico City, uh, last March. And so we had three extra tickets for our three cellos. <laughs> do they each have their own frequent flyer cards? Um, actually, I don't think they do. I think their miles go on ours, so we do get miles for them. That's, that's amazing to me. Yeah, I should have played the piccolo. Now, one thing that you do, because you teach musicians, uh, you teach music classes at the University of Utah, and one of them is an introduction to music. Right. And I, you must get the whole variety from people who are like, oh, music, and, uh, and people who really love it. Yes, I think so. So how do you, what do you see that happens between the, I think most beginners would say, well, either I like it or I don't. Mm -hmm. what, what do you learn in a course like well, that? Well, my main goal is to introduce great music to people that might not have uh, been exposed to it before and my hope is that they'll really learn to love it so I'm I'm hoping that at least some some people in the class will maybe be, be symphony supporters or opera supporters mm. in the future and uh, I love teaching these classes I get to share something I love you know with um, you know, the big group when I teach these classes. The only thing I don't like is this time of the semester, I'm just getting to kind of know everybody, and the semester's almost over, and I won't see them again for a while. You know, may never see some of the Teacher's students Teacher's dilemma. So, Do you yeah. bring your cello and play for them? Occasionally, yes. Uh, Susan, Larry, and I have played for them this semester, and then Larry and I uh, did a recital about three nights ago, and we played that program for them. So we do. That seems like that would be mesmerizing if you hadn't really been around classical instruments like this to, to be mm -hmm. up close and to be able to hear them like that. I think that's that's their favorite part of the class probably is having live music. Well, yeah. another question people get asked about it. I see your cello case over there, which looks sort of like Darth Vader's coffin. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's carbonite. Yeah, and, that's right. Carbonite. Well, your instrument is obviously older than that. It's it it's Not gorgeous. And, and, and uh, how, how do you choose a cello? Um, good question. It's, it's kind of like... Um, almost like getting married because you know you're you're finding uh, a partner that you feel that you can work with for a long time and you choose a cello according to the sound that you want to develop together with it and so my cello has uh, kind of a combination of a I think a pretty mellow sound but it can be kind of bright and powerful when needed so it's pretty much what I was looking for I guess well it just a, has such an amazing range <clears throat> It's an American-made cello. Cello does have a great range. The bass is wonderful, and uh, it probably goes higher than the flute, I would guess, on the high range. 
Oh, it's the, just gorgeous. It's made Thank, by Paul Schubach, an American maker. Well, we'll let you pick it up okay. gingerly off <laughs> the floor you. here. We want to hear the next two movements of this trio from composer Jean Francais. This is his trio, movement number three and number four from the Wasatch Trio.
just heard the final two movements of Jean-Francais Trio performed live here in Studio 6 at BYU Broadcasting by our guests this evening, was the Wasatch Trio, with Susan Goodfellow flute, Elliot Cheney playing cello, and Larry G, pianist. They also performed Friedrich Kulau's Trio in G major and a newer piece in the musical classical music catalog, La Milanga, by Christopher Caliendo. It's always a pleasure to be introduced to new pieces, so a sincere thank you to all of our guests today for sharing those pieces and for your great musicianship. What a great hour. So exciting to be here live and see this right here in person. The Wasatch Trio is a faculty ensemble from the University of Utah, which concertizes throughout the state. And we always welcome comments and questions about the show. For information, email us at highway89 at byu.edu. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting. Our recording engineer is Juan Mijares. The show's producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for tuning in.